Hello and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church in Crozet, Virginia. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9.30 a.m. or for a more traditional service at 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. Good morning and welcome to Crozet United Methodist Church and our Sunday morning worship. I'm Sarah, the pastor here. We are so glad to have you with us. And we're going to begin with a few announcements for you. This week, we're encouraging our children to submit their names for the cat that our plush Jesus has acquired during isolation. So if you have a child that would like to submit their name, they're welcome to do that. We've gotten some good ones already. You can either email me at pastorsarah at crozetunitedmethodist.org. You can reply in the comments below and we'll take them there or you can reach out to us through Facebook. We would be happy to receive them and we have a special treat for the child that submits the best name for Jesus' new cat. So we'd love to hear those from you guys. And again, you can always find our activity sheet, and we thank you for being a part of that. Also, I want to let you know that today, after our worship service at 1030, we're going to be hosting our virtual fellowship after worship. You can click on the link in the comments, and you can join us. It was really fun to see a bunch of people pop in. You don't have to stay online for an hour. You can kind of come in and say hello and kind of greet everybody. It was a lot of fun. We took a fabulous screenshot that we'll be sharing with you later this week. So thank you so much for everybody that was with us last week as we kind of pioneered this, and we hope that you will join us this week so, it's, so we can see your face and you can see us as well. And the next exciting thing we want to share with you is that our 30, Thursday morning coffee and scripture for men is now meeting via Zoom. So you can uh, reach out to the men there and get that, or you can ask for it in the comments here, and we'll be happy to get you that Zoom information so that you can be a part of that too. Uh, they are like our women of faith that meet on Sunday mornings, not this Sunday morning, they're not meeting by Zoom, but they'll resume next week. And you have the opportunity to kind of gather together and at least see each other and share in some spiritual disciplines. So we encourage you to be a part of that. And the last thing we want to say is that um, we don't want you to forget that every day you are empowered to pray, give, and share. And our congregation has been so wonderful about praying. We've been praying for people all over the state and all over the country as prayer requests have been coming in and getting feedback and getting updates, and it's been such an inspiring thing, and you can always be a part of that. You can submit your prayer requests on our website and, and through our Facebook page. You're welcome to do that as well. You can also sign up on our website to be part of that distribution list for the uh, public requests, not the confidential ones, but we would love to have people continue to join in that incredible ministry that connects us, even while we feel so separated. And you are always encouraged to give. Our ministry goes on. We are continuing to look for new ways to do the things that are so vital and important, not only to the body of Christ, but our community and us as individual disciples. And we thank you so much for the incredible faithfulness of our givers, those who have been so gracious and so giving and have allowed us to not only maintain our staff and our ministries and our missions, but look forward to what else we can do and how we can continue to grow and go on to perfection. So thank you for being a part of that. But the last piece is really about sharing. It's about remembering that 
Every time I log on to social media, I feel like I get inundated with negativity, and then somebody will post something, whether it's a beautiful picture or whether it's something that they've read or a video that they've seen that is bringing them joy or making them smile, and we've tried to supply you with that content, and hopefully if it does touch you or if there's somebody you know that would be blessed, feel free to share it. It's a wonderful way to help to counteract some of the negativity and some of the hurtful speech that we're hearing. It's a wonderful way to remind people that even in the midst of human sin, the grace and love of God abounds. And so we hope that you will continue to be a part of that as you have discovered new ways to be evangelists from your home. So we thank you for that. And always, always think of the ways in which you can share the goodness and the grace of Jesus Christ with others. So commend all of that to you. And without further delay, we're going to sing our first hymn, which is a classic. It comes from the United Methodist Hymnal, number 361, Rock of Ages, Cleft for Me. when we get to address our children and have an opportunity to share a little time with them. And trust me, I have missed very much gathering with our children and having the opportunity to see your smiling faces and hear your awesome comments and questions. But this morning, um, I don't know if you're able to see, I am wearing shoes 
that look like butterflies when I stand. And the reason for this is that I've spent a lot of time kind of um, biking and walking and, and even hanging out in my yard. And one of the wonderful things about our God is that God is a God of creation, created the world, the earth, and all these incredible plants and animals and even insects. And so today I brought kind of my little fuzzy caterpillar over here. And uh, he's purple, um, as you can see, and he's got some googly eyes. Um, sometimes caterpillars do not have googly eyes, but this one does. And one of the things that I've noticed is that caterpillars can be very destructive. Maybe you have had times where you can be very destructive, where you just seem to come in like a whirlwind and, and make a mess and destroy things. And caterpillars are kind of like that. When they come out of the egg and they're born, they're hungry, they're voracious eaters. They could consume this entire plant that we have up here on our altar. They're very hungry, right? Very hungry caterpillars. And they eat and they eat and they eat. And then all of a sudden, they get this compulsion, this need to start to build their cocoon. And if they're going to be a butterfly, it actually becomes a chrysalis. And a chrysalis is a word that means a state of transformation. It means that they are becoming something new. They are being remade. And God's grace is exactly like that for us. So no matter how we were born or how we have grown, sometimes we recognize, you know, I could be better I could be nicer to my family and my friends. I could be a better listener. I could be better about doing things without having to be asked all the time or reminded because I could be a little bit more focused on helping our house or helping our family or helping in church or helping in our class. I could do things like that so that when people would look at me, they would say, oh my goodness, what a blessing you are. And the caterpillars, they go into their chrysalid and they become something wholly new. And we are the same way. We went into our homes, and a lot of us have been kind of stuck at home, and we're not real happy about it. But this is the opportunity, because what inspired me was that I was watching butterflies. And I was thinking about how beautiful they were, and they were going from flower to flower, and they were pollinating. They were taking some of that life-giving pollen, and they were taking it from plant to plant and helping the plants grow and spread and become more beautiful and provide not only more flowers, but eventually some of those flowers will become fruit, and they'll become food for people and animals and other insects. And so the butterfly has become this beautifully transformed formed being. It came out of the dark isolation of the chrysalis, and it has become such a blessing. It went from being a really hungry caterpillar that just ate and ate and consumed to being something that seeks to bless and brings beauty into the world. And God created those for us so that we could not only see them and be inspired, but remember that the same God that created the caterpillars and allows them to become butterflies is the same God that created you and me and all of us and wants all of us to be transformed into something wonderful by God's grace. So while we're not going to actually build ourselves a cocoon or a chrysalis, we do have the opportunity to use this time to think about what do we want to be when we come out of isolation? Do we want to be better listeners? Do we want to be better helpers? Do we want to be better about reading our Bible or going to church? Do we want to be better about helping in mission work like feeding people in Grace's Grocery or helping out people when we have events here and people need help? What do we want to be? And this is our time to really think about that because we can come out just the same way that we went in. 
In fact, we could come out even worse than how we went in, but God is showing us through the incredible gift of butterflies that we can come out as something incredibly awesome and good. And I hope you'll be thinking and praying and talking with your family about ways in which you can come out even better or how your whole family might come out even better. So I commend all that to you, and I look forward to hearing about the things that you're going to do even bigger and better when I get to see you again. So we're going to continue with our worship this morning, and we're very blessed to have Blake Jordan with us, and he is going to be singing for our anthem, Indescribable. Creations revealing your majesty From the colors of fall to the fragrance of spring Every creature unique in the song that it sings All exclaiming, indescribable, uncontainable You place the stars in the sky and you them by name. You are amazing God, all-powerful, untamable. Awestruck we fall in knees to humbly proclaim. You are amazing God. I told every lightning bolt where it should go. seen heavenly storehouses laden with snow who I imagine the sun and give source to its light yet conceals it to bring us the coolness of night no one can fathom indescribable uncontainable you place the stars in the sky and you know them by name you are amazing God, all-powerful, all untamable, awestruck we feel our knees to humbly proclaim, you are amazing God, indescribable, uncontainable, you place the stars in the sky and you know them by name. Today is our final sermon in our worship series on C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And before we close out this amazing journey into an allegory that has become quite timeless, 
written by a Christian to help other people encounter Christianity, children of all ages. I want us to take a moment and center ourselves in prayer before we hear the scripture this morning. Let us pray. Lord, you call us by name. You remind us that each and every one of us is not only known but loved by you. And yet we as human beings and those who desire to be better disciples struggle with knowing and loving all of your people. It is so hard, Almighty God, to believe that they could be as precious as we yearn to be to you. Help us to open our hearts and expand our understanding and reach out with love to honor and respect others the same way you honor and respect us. You have redeemed us from our sin. You have washed us of our guilt. And you continue to abide with us in powerful and transformative ways. So as we take this time to once more hear the majesty of the words of Scripture, we pray that the Holy Spirit will be at work in us so that it may ultimately be at work through us, helping us to live in love as you have shown us and you call us to do. May it be done because this is your will. And that is what we seek to embody in all that we are and with all that we have. We love you and praise you, almighty God. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the letter to Romans, chapter 12, verses 9 through 21. Let love be genuine. Hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with mutual affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in suffering. Persevere in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Extend hospitality to strangers. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not claim to be wiser than you are. Do not repay anyone evil for evil, but take thought for what is noble in the sight of all. If it is possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. No, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. For by doing this, you will heap burning coals on their heads. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. So we have been on this journey. Uh, one of the beautiful things about the power of the Holy Spirit is that it enables each of us to have gifts that we can bring not only to our local church, our local body of Christ, but some of these gifts go well beyond that. Some of our gifts enable us to bless people throughout time, long after we are gone. And C.S. Lewis was one of those Christians. He had a gift for writing and a passion for children's stories and fiction. And not only did he give the world the gift of the Chronicles of Narnia, but he began with this story. The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which as we've had the opportunity to explore, is an allegory. It is taking concepts that might be so vast and uncomprehendable and bringing them down to a level where anyone 
can experience and be amazed at the story of Christendom and how Christianity is something that is for every child, no matter how vintage we may become. And so this story has really been eye-opening as I've read it for the umpteenth time. I hope that if you've had a chance to read it, you've experienced some of the real ingenuity and the creativity that C.S. Lewis brought to this story. And today we're going to close out the series talking about the battle between good and evil. And depending on the denomination or the church experience you had growing up, or and sometimes if you weren't in church, you heard other Christians talking about this, this epic battle between good and evil, and sometimes They'll cite scripture, especially the book of Revelation, which we haven't even gotten to yet. But one of the things that I think is so amazing is that in the entire book, the battle at the end is very brief. It doesn't take very much time. In fact, um, Aslan goes and, and frees up those that had been encapsulated in stone and kind of frozen through the power and the abuse of the white witch, the self-imposed queen of Narnia, and then he brings them to where the battle is going, and I think in less than a whole page, the battle is over because Aslan, who represents Jesus Christ, who is the messianic figure in the story, is able to bring his power to put an end to the struggle, and that's really important for us, that the battle is won by Christ, just like the battle in the book is won by Aslan. Now, everybody plays a part. Everybody had a role. In fact, Edmund had his really redemptive moment when he used his rational mind, and it occurred to him, if I break the witch's wand, then she can't keep turning people into stone. If I break the power of sin, then it won't be so strong, and it won't take so many people with it. And so he's able to do this. And Peter continues to valiantly lead all of the people and the animals and creatures that were entrusted into his care into battle and uphold them and encourage them to persevere through it, even though it doesn't seem to be a very long battle. Because for us, the parallel that C.S. Lewis is talking about is that the battle has already been won for us. We are victors because Christ has fought that battle for us Thousands of years before our birth, Jesus Christ ascended to Calvary, was crucified on the cross, and died for human sin to be cleansed. And he did that long before you or I ever committed our first sin. Even before we could think about sin, the victory was ours. And Jesus says, I don't need you to fight that battle again. I fought the battle. What you have to do is fight the internal battle. And I think this is one of the places where Christianity has really struggled. Metaphor is so important in Scripture. Jesus uses metaphor as the entire foundation of a parable, is that Jesus is taking a story and placing deep spiritual truth within it and presenting it to us so that we can learn and grow wise through the opening of divine wisdom to us. And Jesus does this repeatedly. But sometimes, because we can be a very literal people in a literal world, we have this tendency to try to take those things and, and make them literal in our application of our spirituality. As if we are saying, there really is a battle and we have enemies. Now, there's divergent theology ways in which people think about this. But I think, as I've said before, that the best theologies do no harm. The best theologies are ones that let people know that they are loved, that they are precious, that they can be saved 
from their sinfulness and the mistakes of their past. And so Jesus reminds us that no matter what we have done, that God's grace is very real and present for us. And every time we embrace that grace, we are cleansed. We are rejuvenated and refreshed. And we are on the path of reconciliation, not just with our God, but with one another. And so it's so important for us to focus on that because a lot of the metaphor of warfare and battle can lead to disastrous consequences. There have been times in human history where we took that metaphor and we took it so far as to say that those people that weren't Christians are not even people. Those are not even people that we should respect and honor and help, even though Jesus, as well as the Apostle Paul today, remind us that we are to welcome the stranger, to extend hospitality to those that we do not know and who do not yet know our God. Because while they may seem strangers to us, and while God may seem strange to them, they are no stranger to Jesus Christ. He knows them, he loves them, he died for them, and he rose again that they too may have everlasting life. And so the tension for us is to use a metaphor to the point that it is helpful and not to take the step beyond to where it becomes an adversary to Jesus Christ or where it becomes an obstacle to us loving and granting grace. And so that's one of the reasons why I was so amazed at how short the battle scene was when I was paying attention to it in the book. Because if you watch the cinematic experience, the movies or the animated movie, you'll discover that the battle scene is much bigger and larger and longer than it is in the book. And that's because we are a people that enjoy the battle. We are a people that like to see the tension and the climactic release of seeing that Aslan will triumph and the witch and her people will be defeated. But at the same time, we don't want to go so far as to say, I hope they die. Or they're so evil they cannot be redeemed. Because when we take that step, we've created now a mental block that will affect our hearts and ultimately change our actions in the way that we love other people. It's very important for us as Christians to know that we are not to take the step beyond recognizing that there are people who will place themselves against us. They will stand as adversaries. They will not embrace grace and they won't want us to give it to them. But that doesn't mean that we don't love them. That's one of the important things that Paul is emphasizing. The letter to Romans was one of the Apostle Paul's final acts. It was one of the last things where he had the opportunity to speak the truth that Jesus Christ had given to him. And he was sharing that which is so important. If he was going to die, then he needed them to know. Those that would hear his words, receive his letter, those who would come after he died, they needed to know. It's almost his dying declaration. And what he says to us is, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Don't look at them as if they are your enemy, but instead seek to love them as you have been loved. God loved us every moment that we were defiant sinners. God loves us now when we defiantly sin, when we choose our will over God's. God doesn't seek to curse us but show us a way that is paved with grace, love, and forgiveness that we might do likewise. Instead of seeing our role as Christians is to conquer people, 
our role is to love them into a space where they too can encounter Jesus Christ. And so the tension for us is to see that the metaphor of the battle between good and evil is helpful. It means that we have to choose the side of good. Almost everything that the Apostle Paul is extending and encouraging the people, not only the Roman Christians, but all Christians to do, are about actions. We must choose to do these things. We must choose to embody them, to have them in our mind and in our heart and in our mouths and in our hands and our feet, to be enlivened in our lives. We must choose to do these things. We must choose to let our love be genuine. We must choose to hold fast to what is good, to love one another with mutual affection, to outdo one another in showing honor. Not that we should seek to have honor, but that we should constantly seek to honor others more. That we should not lag in zeal, but be ardent in our spirit. That we have to choose to serve the Lord. That we have to choose to rejoice in hope. Not rejoice because we have triumphed every second of every day, but that we have the hope that even if now things feel dark and depressing, if things feel hopeless, we remember that we have this hope in Jesus Christ. And in that alone, when everything else is crumbling, that alone shall stand. And in that we rejoice. We have this hope in Christ. That we choose to be patient in our suffering. Choose to hold fast. To let hope help us to persevere. To persevere through the gift of prayer. You have to choose to pray. You have to choose to communicate with God in whatever form is most authentic and a part of your means of communicating with God. We have to contribute to the needs of the saints. That's our giving. We have to choose to extend hospitality to strangers. People don't welcome themselves. We welcome them in the name of Jesus Christ. We have to choose to rejoice with those who rejoice, to see people celebrating and cultivating ourselves a joy for them and with them. Instead of coveting their joy, instead of being angry that there are those who can celebrate, we choose to rejoice with them. The same as we choose to weep with those who weep. We choose to put ourselves in a position where we must acknowledge that for some it is very hard and very difficult. And just as we are willing to go to the good with those who are rejoicing, we must choose to walk the path with those who are weeping and struggling and suffering. Because both are a part of this world, and both have a place not only in Christ's heart now, but in the kingdom to come. And so it's important for us to choose that path. So when C.S. Lewis embodies the concept of the battle of good and evil, he's asking us to choose. What are we going to do? Are we going to choose to live our lives every day as if we want to be those that stand with Christ? Do we want to be like Susan and Lucy who choose to stand shoulder to shoulder with Aslan as he fights sin and death on their behalf, on behalf of all others? Or do we want to be the people that want to sit back and just let everyone go about their way and just hope that somehow God will make something come out of this mess that is palpable, something that we can just simply stand? Or do we want to be part, an active member of changing things for the better? And every one of us has that opportunity. When I was talking to the children a moment ago, I was talking about how, as I've been 
stuck at home or are kind of limited in where I can go. I've been paying much more attention to the outdoors, and I saw the butterflies, and I thought, you know, at least they are beautiful. At least they are dynamic. They are moving. They are free. They can fly away. How wonderful. And it occurred to me that long before I needed to be inspired and reminded of the metamorphosis and the transformation that God's grace makes possible, long before I needed to be reminded that life always finds a way, long before I needed that moment in God's beautiful creation, God created. And it's the same with grace and love. Long before I was born and I sinned, Long before I felt that I could be unlovable and that I was irredeemable, God had already granted me grace by Jesus' death on the cross. God had already told me that I was loved. And now I have to choose to share that truth with others. And that's what God placed upon my heart. And I know that that's what God places upon the heart of every person that is willing to call themselves a disciple of Jesus Christ. We are known and we are loved by the maker and creator of all creation, the one who not just made this world, but the one who made all the heavens and the stars, knows them each by name. When we as human beings have studied the skies and the universe, we have seen so many stars that we stopped naming them and just started numbering them. But God knows them all. And while we here in this country have taken to knowing people by their social security number for bureaucratic purposes, God knows our name, our face, our voice can distinguish when we cry out, when all of Christendom cries out, God knows our unique voice. And God loves all of those things. Amen. What an incredible gift to know that we are known and loved, and that God cares. Now, surely there is someone in your life that needs to know that, that needs to know that they are beloved, that they can be forgiven, especially if they've hurt you, and that they are worth the risk. They are worth the vulnerability. They are worth sharing the good news. And that's ultimately what becomes the gift of the experience in the wardrobe in Narnia is that the children have a story and they leave the novel looking for a time when they will have new adventures and new stories to share. But they have to look. They have to be open. They have to be willing to respond when a new door and a new way opens. And we are no different. C.S. Lewis was brilliant and inspired to know that Christianity isn't passive. It is a choice, a way of life, a way of being. And that way of being is defined by our faith, hope, and love. But the same Apostle Paul wrote that the greatest of these is love. May that be how we live our lives, how we win the battle between good and evil, not by villainizing and victimizing, but loving and sharing the good news. May it be so. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Amen. Now is the time in our worship service where we
encourage you to respond, not just to the ministry of the word, but to the means of grace known as worship with your gifts. And so if you would like to take time to do that, we would certainly encourage you to do that. We are grateful for all the gifts that we have received. We have been looking as we move forward into ways that we can continue our ministry and the uh, Zoom meetings that I've been having with our youth on Wednesday nights at six o'clock. One of the things that came up is that one of the youth asked, hey, could we get one of those bags like the kids got at Lent, the Lenten loot bags? And I said, sure, what do you want in your bag? And one of the youth said, it would be really cool to have stuff that we could use to do like mission work with. And I thought, wow, what a great idea. And so I am in the process of compiling those things and getting them together so that the youth will have the opportunity to do the drive-thru and pick those up and have the opportunity to do a little mission work from where they are and bless those that are around them, maybe those in their household, those that are their neighbors, and as far as they are able to safely traverse. And so we thank you for the ways in which you allow us to hear and receive hopes and dreams and feedback and find ways to make them possible to make them a reality so that those who are in that blessed transition, that blessed transformation between child and adult, have a way to live out their faith too. So we commend to you that all that you give is an opportunity for others to live out their faith and to experience that same love and grace that we have been blessed to know. And so for that, I would like to offer up a prayer for all the gifts that are given for the glory of God this day. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you do not need our money. You do not need for us to be extravagant in our gifts, but yet you allow us to do that. You receive our love, our joy, and our desire to give honor and glory to you. And then you transform all of that goodness and multiply it to bless others. What a marvelous ministry it is to be part of extending welcome to the stranger, to helping people find their voice in place in the body of Christ. For who knows what new C.S. Lewis will emerge from this time to write stories that inspire and to find ways to use their unique gifts and graces to bless Christians for hundreds of years to come. May you continue to transform us by your grace, transforming not only our hearts and our minds, but our lives and our gifts, so that when all of this has ended and we move into newness, we are able to say that our faith and our commitment to you was unwavering. May that be so, and the legacy of this difficult time, that through hope we have persevered, through prayer we have found our place, and through your incredible love and grace, we remain committed to you and to the gospel and ministry of Jesus Christ. May it be so. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to invite you to join us in our closing hymn. It is number 370 in the United Methodist Hymnal, Victory in Jesus. Oh, 
can heal my broken spirit. And somehow Jesus came and brought to me the victory. It just occurs to me as I hold this sacred book, the United Methodist Hymnal, that is a communion of saints, that Eugene Bartlett, back in 1939, long before I was born, composed this song and wrote this tune to convey his experience with Jesus Christ and God's grace. And using his gifts and his graces, composed a hymn that is beloved and still rings true. And while people may not know his name or his face or his story, they know of his faith because he was willing to share the good news in the way that God had gifted him and graced him to do. May that inspire us to do likewise. And I understand that we had a major sound issue, and I assure you that the entire tech team is mortified and is not going to let that happen again. <laughs> they are working diligently to ensure that you have an incredible worship experience. So if you will grant us grace, we will work really hard to ensure that we continue to go on to perfection with what we are able to offer for you. And we apologize for what may have become an obstacle to your worship this day. But before I sign off, I want to let you know what an incredible gift it has been to be able to offer this because of all of those who play an important role in this, not just those who watch and receive it, but those who make it possible, who give of their time and their talent and their gifts and their graces and are dedicated to serving God in ways that are not always readily seen, but certainly appreciated. May you receive this benediction. God Almighty is with you no matter where you find yourself. 
And if you are feeling imprisoned in the situation and context and circumstance of your life, may God transform that to be a chrysalis where the Holy Spirit works upon you and in you so that when you emerge from isolation or quarantine or the darkest of your days, may you experience the joy of being resurrected through the gift of Jesus Christ, to be restored to the beautiful image of the Creator and free to live as those who are known and loved. May you go forth to live the rest of this day and all your days in the knowledge that God loves you and keeps you and will redeem you every moment of every day. Go forth in peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, one now and forever. Amen. Thank you again for joining us for this week's podcast. We hope you found the message meaningful and we invite you to join us in person as we gather for worship at Crozet United Methodist Church every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org to learn about ways you can connect with God and your neighbors through the ministries of Crozet UMC. Have a great week.